Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. <laughs> He'll hit Corey Watson with it. He'll sidestep one tackler and gets to the 20. Corey Watson inside the 10. Touchdown, Eskimo. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Well, it's the only show on Edmonton Radio more entertaining than a Donald Trump news conference. Welcome aboard, everybody. Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630. Chad will keep you updated on the Toronto Blue Jays tonight as they take on Tampa Bay. The Jays going for their fourth victory in a row, but they are trailing the Rays 3-1 in the top of the fourth. Big game at Remax Field in our lovely River Valley this evening. Game three of the Western Major Baseball League Championship Series. The Edmonton Prospects hosting Swift Current. The best of five is tied one 1-1 Edmonton evening it up last night in Swift with a 6-4 victory. So that one first pitch at 7. So uh, we'll be able to update you on the early stages of the game. We are one month away from Edmonton Oilers training camp. I find it both interesting and amusing that we're already seeing boatloads of preseason predictions from places like the Hockey News, the Sports Forecaster. We'll uh, touch on some of those preseason projections I, I don't know about you but it, it, it's fun to make pre- predictions obviously and uh, I have found out when you uh, work in the sports media you're expected to make predictions whether you want to or not and sometimes I don't want to but I do it anyway uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, it, it, I find it interesting making uh, predictions before training camp before we see line combinations injuries last minute trades I mean, a year ago, you would have been doing preseason predictions for Nail Yakupov as an Edmonton Oiler, and then he gets traded to the St. Louis Blues. But anyway, uh, Jack Michaels will be on the show to talk a little bit about that. We'll uh, talk to uh, Paul Franklin, former member of the military. This is a bit more of a, a serious and thoughtful topic about athletes, as we've seen uh, most of, uh, mostly in the NFL, not standing up during the National Anthem, and you can text your opinion on that to 630-630. The phone number is 780-496-0063, and uh, we'll include you in that conversation as we move along tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's 608. Really appreciate you tuning in this evening. I'm with you until 8 o'clock. The next Eskimos game is on Thursday night. They're 7-0. They visit the 5-2 Winnipeg Blue Bombers. 
The countdown to kickoff will be at 5. The game will commence at 6.30 as the Eskimos try to make it 8 straight. He drops back, takes a deep drop now. He tries to unload, and he does. He's got a man wide open. Touchdown, Eskimos! Bryant Mitchell picks up the touchdown. He's into the end zone. The Eskimos regain the lead. 36 yards to the end zone for Mitchell. That's his second touchdown of the season. The Eskimos have been doing it with depth, and Bryant Mitchell is a perfect example of that. He spent most of his time with the Eskimos on the practice roster, but he has starred the last couple of games, and I'm pleased to be joined by Bryant Mitchell right now. Bryant, welcome to Inside Sports. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Having a good day. How about yourself? Right on. I'm having a good day also. It's it's good to talk to you. Brian, I, I got to say, I don't know if you have a nickname or anything like that, but but maybe people could call you Patience because you got to be the most patient man in Edmonton over the last two and a half seasons or so, eh? <laughs> That's a good name to have. Uh, they know we call Batman, B-Mitch, whatever works. <laughs> Uh, tell fans just just how patient you have you have had to be. Uh, you know you've been with the Eskimos. You, you probably haven't got to play as much as you'd like. When you have played, you've you've looked pretty good. So where does that patience come from? Oh man, it's all been God. It's truly all been God. He, I, I had to sit down with him, you know, a couple years ago, and I mean, I just told him I wanted to play football. You know, and the support that I've had from my family. Friends, it, it's been an easy journey, an easier journey than expected. Okay, well, that, that's that's good. You've 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 found inspiration to uh, to keep your career going here. Uh, just tell me about your last couple of games. You, you have over well over two hundred yards receiving the last two games. What do you think's been working for you, Bryant? I just think connecting with Mike. Uh, you know, the O line's been playing great. Our, our core group of receivers have been playing great, and our coaches have made great calls. And I think it's all just messed well, and you know, I just happen to be in the right place at the right time. So, you know, it's a credit to my team. Yeah, you mentioned Mike Riley, Bryant. I mean, I've seen him play in uh, every year he's been an Eskimo, but he just seems so in command of the offense this year and uh you know you guys have obviously gone through a few different receivers and a lot of guys have been able to come up with 100 yard games how, how would you tell us what would you tell fans about riley's game being on the field with him he prepares he prepares every week like he wants to be the best and i think it shows you know he has that that mentality that what we call the dog mentality and every game he comes and he shows up and you see the numbers no, it, you see the numbers. <laughs> okay, right on. Who who are some of the receivers that uh, you know when you come to the CFL? There's sometimes a bit of a learning curve. You guys got the uh, you got the waggle, so you can take more of a line at the the line of scrimmage. Is there a receiver that maybe helped mentor you a little bit, or you kind of uh, like, oh, maybe I should do what this guy's doing? Definitely a Darius Bowman. Uh, I saw when I first got here. That he was somebody that was good and just talking to him from my first year until now it's almost like you know we've become good friends he's called me called me in the offseason a few times you know we just had talked about our goals and things we wanted to achieve this season and he definitely you know boosted me gave me confidence helped me in every area from you know splits to depth to you know seeing coverages he's been a great help 
Brian Mitchell, Eskimos receiver, joining us inside sports on 630 Chet. Do you think about being undefeated? I, I mean, I know you know the record, and I know you know you're in first place, but do you, do you put extra uh, emphasis on, on being undefeated? Do you start thinking about how far it can go, or, or how do you approach the record so far? Honestly, I can tell you the only time I think about being undefeated is after we win a game. Uh, that's the only time. I, I don't really harp on it throughout the week. Uh, our coach, Coach Carson Walsh, excuse me, he's always telling us, you know, we have to play like we haven't won anything. And I think that's the best mindset to have. You know, just stay hungry. Stay lurking for more. Stay wanting more. And that's been the mindset throughout our team, you know, going into every week. So, no, it's not really a thought. You know, of course, it'd be great, you know, at the end of the season to say we're undefeated, but, you know, every week is another step. All right. Hey, uh, Bryant, uh, speaking of steps, I, I want to tell people a little bit about your steps to Edmonton and uh, and the Canadian Football League. Now, where were you playing? Called, was it Northwestern State? Was that where you were playing the year before you came to Edmonton? Yes, sir. Northwestern State, Louisiana. Okay. Uh, what, what, what was it like playing there? I mean, that's Louisiana. That's a football hotbed, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it definitely is. It was a great experience. Uh, I got to learn a lot. Uh, I played in the heat, you know, so I got to get used to that. I'd never been to the South, uh, you know, in my life. So going there, just learning from the guys I, I had around me. I had guys, uh, a receiver named Louis Oye. Uh, and another receiver named Ed Egan. You know, those are two great guys to learn from just in their different aspects of game. They really showed me a lot. Uh, my receivers coach, Derek Foster, was just constantly, you know, teaching me the value of hard work. You know, I knew what hard work was, you know, leading up to that point, but he really put emphasis on what it took and, you know, the grind that it would take just to, you know, make it to even get to this point. So it was definitely a great experience. Uh, I mean, if I had to do it all over again, I definitely would. Take me back a little bit, Bryant. Were you a football player from a little kid? Like, were you one of those American kids that was playing when you were five or six? Or uh, when did it become your sport of choice? You know what I mean? Because some of you, you know, I know a lot of football players. Some guys played basketball. Some played soccer. If you're Canadian, some guys played hockey. What was it like for you? I started off in basketball. I love basketball. Basketball still to this day is my favorite sport. Um, I played football, but I, I was always a guy that played flag football. I was a little nervous to play tackle. Uh, my mother, you know, for a while didn't want me to play tackle. And when I finally got the opportunity, uh, I chose a different route and going to a water park uh, when the time came. But when I got into high school, that's when I really started playing. Uh, I played corner my freshman year. I had some woes in high school. I played uh, receiver for the first time my junior year of high school. I broke my wrist that year. My senior year was my first true year of playing the position. And I went to junior college and was successful in junior college. And, you know, now in Division I and now here. Okay, that's that's quite a story. So uh, basketball, uh, I mean, you're still a relatively young guy. What are you, 24? I'll be 25 tomorrow. 25 tomorrow. Okay, well, happy birthday, first of all. So growing up, I'm trying to think here, were you a, you. a, a Kobe fan, a LeBron fan? Uh, do we go back to Shaq? <laughs> who's, who's your guy? Oh, yeah. 
So Kobe is my guy. Kobe and Russell Westbrook are my two guys. I started off as a Shaq fan. I was a Laker fan. I was a Shaq fan. Uh, my number one player ever, you know, even though Kobe is my favorite player, my number one player ever was Amari Stoudemire. That's actually my oldest son's name is Amari. But uh, Amari Stoudemire was my favorite player. Uh, him and Shaq. I always, I was a big man. I loved the post game, but I, I loved how his pick and roll game with Steve Nash worked, and it excited me every day just to see the difference, you know, in his game. And so I, I, I definitely could say Amari Stoudemire, but Kobe is definitely my favorite player. Okay, well, I'm sure you and a, a lot of people in California <laughs> feel, feel feel that same way. Uh, you, you see, you said you're old. How many kids do you have, Bryant? I have three. I have three little boys. Now, now are they up here with you yeah. during the season, or, or where where are they following Dad from? No, 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 no. I don't know. So uh, my oldest son lives in San Diego, and uh, my twins, Caleb and Cameron, uh, live in Houston, Texas, actually. So my oldest son, Amari, uh, I call him King. So if you ever hear me refer to King, and then Cam and Jam, I mean Jam, who is Cameron, and then KJ, who is Caleb. Yeah, that's my youngest boy is Caleb. Okay, so they're not quite old enough probably to know what dad does for a living yet? Or? <laughs> King does. King does. King will tell you all my stats. Uh, you know, he'll tell me if I game a bad game. He tells me if I dropped the ball, I should have caught it. <laughs> you know, he stays on me. So definitely attentive to what's going on. Okay, well, man, you got some tough critics already. Brian Mitchell from the Eskimos joining us on Inside Sports. So when you came to Edmonton, came to the CFL, what was your knowledge level of the league and uh, Edmonton uh, in, in particular? Were you coming up here kind of a blank slate, or, or did you maybe kind of know what you were getting into? I would say a blank slate. I had a friend who played in Hamilton uh, a few year, about a year or two prior to me coming out. Uh, his name is Arthur Hobbs. He was a DB in Hamilton. And uh, that's about all I knew was Hamilton. So coming out, I knew nothing about the city of Edmonton. I knew nothing about any team that I had worked out for that year. I came to Edmonton. Uh, we were in Spruce Grove that year. So uh, I didn't really get to experience what Edmonton was like or, you know, as much. But I loved Stris Grove. It was a nice area, some nice people. It gave me a little bit of taste of what Canada was like. And, I mean, I had to see what, you know, what Edmonton was like. So I definitely wanted to come back after I was released that year. Right on. Well, you know, you've provided a lot of spark, uh, especially over the last couple of games. I mentioned your staff or your stats, and uh, now you got another uh, tough one. I wouldn't be surprised. Let me ask you this before I let you go, Brian. Do you guys just expect every game to come down to the last three minutes now? Or like you're pretty used to it? But get stopped by fans sometimes. They're like, did you guys make the last one any close? I'm like, you know what? As long as we pull out a win, I don't care how close it is. You know, a win is a win, and that's what we're trying to do. Just put wins on the board. Okay, Brian. Well, you guys are doing great so far. You've been fun to watch. Thanks a lot for making time for us tonight on Inside Sports, and all the best in Winnipeg. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you guys. That is Bryant Mitchell checking in, Edmonton Eskimos receiver. All he's done over the last two games, 15 catches for 235 yards. And you heard him say it. Love that part of the interview. His toughest critic, his five-year-old son, 
who lets them know his stats and if he dropped the ball. Great to get to know Bryant a little bit better, and we're getting to know this Eskimos team very well. They can pull it out in the clutch. We'll talk more about that as we go along. We're also going to have Chad Rempel on the show tonight from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Speaking of clutch wins, they have won three games this season. They're 5-2 and two by scoring on the last play of the game. So two teams who have been strong down the stretch meeting Thursday night right here on 6.30 Chet. Quick timeout inside sports on Eskimos Radio 6.30 Chet. This is J.C. Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 6.30 Chet. Well, I guess I, uh, I let somebody down during that interview with Bryant Mitchell. Got a uh, tweet here from Ryan Batty, who probably many of you know as a uh, blogger on the uh, Oilers fan site, Copper and Blue. He says, can you please ask Mitchell if he's going to have a big week? I'm planning to take him on my fantasy team, so it would be helpful to know. <laughs> well, Ryan, I'm, I'm guessing that, that Bryant would have uh, said that he believes he's going to have a good week. He seems to have a lot of faith in Mike Riley at quarterback as well. And why wouldn't you? For the second time this season, Mike Riley named a uh, CFL Top Performer of the Week. 384 yards, two touchdowns in the win over Ottawa. Also had 11 carries for 51 yards. Uh, Riley you know, was already named a Top Performer for the month of July. He has set an Eskimos record by throwing a touchdown pass in 17 consecutive games, passing Warren Moon and Tracy Ham, who uh, each did it for 16 consecutive games. So Riley's having an outstanding season. This Eskimos team, very fun to watch. And uh, I want to I just expand on something that Brian Mitchell said, uh, but I'm going to do that in the next half hour of the show before we bring on, uh, before we bring on Jack Michaels, because I think it's going to be uh, something that Jack might want to talk about as well. Some other news and notes to touch on here. You've probably uh, heard about this before, and, and I, I'm going to recognize... Uh, soccer is one of those sports in this country where its its popularity is um, well. It's as a spectator sport, I guess I would say it's not near the list for popularity. It, it's uh, it, you always get into arguments about how entertaining the sport actually is. But I think if Edmonton got to be a host city for the World Cup of soccer. That would be pretty cool. I mean, we had the 2015 Women's World Cup with uh, more games in Edmonton than any, any other Canadian city. So what happening? Uh, what's happening here is uh, a potential United bid for the 2026 World Cup with the U.S., Mexico, and Canada all co-hosting the tournament. Now, heavily heavily slanted towards the United States. There would be 80 World Cup matches. The U.S. would get 60. Mexico and Canada would get 10 each. So nine Canadian stadiums have been listed as potential venues. Potential. I mean, if if we're only going to get 10 matches, they probably wouldn't spread them over nine stadiums. They'd probably use three or four stadiums. But Edmonton, uh, one of them, along with McMahon in Calgary, Olympic Stadium in Montreal, Saputo Stadium in Montreal, TD Place, Ottawa, Mosaic Stadium, Regina, Rogers Centre, Toronto, BMO Field, Toronto, and BC Place in Vancouver. That's a long way away, but something to keep an eye on. You'd you'd have to think they'd like to put the World Cup back in the United States. Uh, Hasn't been there since 1994. And hey, if we got to host, we'd finally qualify which has only happened once. All right, we're coming up to the 6.30 news. 
We'll keep you posted on the Blue Jays game. Prospects getting ready to go at BMO Field. Don't forget, we got the Eskimos and the Blue Bombers on Thursday. Our coverage is going to start at 5. Jack Michaels from the Oilers play-by-play booth. Always entertaining. He's next. Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 6:30. Chad. Okay, so the Nuge, according to the sports forecaster, their uh, hockey projection issue, he's going to get 54 points this season coming up. We'll see. I don't know if you guys saw this. I, I think Brendan was talking about it on Oilers Now. He's filling in for Bob here for a couple of weeks. The sports forecaster had Ryan Strom at 72 points. They had Ryan, so I'm going to say that again. They had Ryan Strom at 72 points, and they actually had Connor McDavid going down to 97 points for the upcoming season. Interesting stuff. I don't know. It's it's fun. It's fun. We'll do stuff like that on the airwaves. But we'll save our predictions to, uh, well, maybe we won't. Maybe Jack Michaels is going to come on tonight with detailed predictions for the uh, entire season. We're going to have Jack in about uh, 70 seconds here. This is Inside Sports on 630 Chet. I just want to touch on something here, uh, and I'll get Jack to comment once I play the clips. But we we had Bryant Mitchell on the show, Edmonton Eskimos receiver, who's you know played sparingly in 15 and 16. Uh, mostly a practice roster guy. He's he's now been being used because of the rash of. I mean, it's what's more than a rash? It's a full body rash of injuries for the Eskimos. What did Bryant Mitchell say about Mike Riley? He prepares every week like he wants to be the best. And I just want to play this clip from last night's show from Eskimos defensive coordinator Mike Benavides. You know what it is? You know, it's really feeling good about the amount of work you put in and the work ethic you put in. And, and you know, there's history with some players when you see a Mike Riley perform or you see a Odell Willis perform. So it's a combination of experience and what you know and what you anticipate can occur and what people have accomplished previously. And then I think throughout the week you work hard, you work hard, you put your nose to the grindstone, you come out of practice and you feel prepared, and then you go on the game and you go with confidence i mean it just i, I think it's a perpetuates on its itself meaning that if you work hard you get confidence you win you get confidence and you feel you know it's like anything else if you feel prepared you're going to have a, a good feeling about yourself and then when it does pan out and you get some fruits of your labor it just build on that and i just think right now the group's been working seeing success and it just builds from there and you know you're going to feel good about life when you're seven and oh and you feel good when you see so many new faces perform and step up um that it just breeds confidence. I really believe that it comes out of your work ethic and seeing the results on the practice field. You know, that's become kind of a theme with the Eskimos. And, of course, we talk about the confidence and everybody's going to feel good when you're winning and, and you win some close games. So we, you got Bryant Mitchell saying that Riley prepares every week like he wants to be the best. Benavides talking about the team in general, that it stems from the work that you put in. They feel prepared. There's players with a positive history on the team he, he said Riley and Willis leading the way and, and I've referred to this you know as kind of the Mike Riley JC Sherritt era of the Edmonton Eskimos and it's become a pretty good era hopefully there are uh, maybe two or three more cups to come but I think what we can boil this down to and I'm going to bring Jack Michaels from the Oilers Radio Network into the show Jack and you and I have covered high school sports we've covered college sports we're around the Oilers a lot 
there's no substitute for preparation and experience. Because be, and that, I think that's why the Eskimos are so composed because they can take a deep breath and say, "Wait a minute, we've worked on this, or we've been here before." And that's dangerous when you have talent and you have the experience and the preparation to go along with it. Well, the first part of what you said is the biggest thing, and that's that's you know going back to you know way before Mike Riley was established. I, you know, I look. I might not know much, but I know a guy who, who can throw an NFL ball. And I mean, when I, especially like from that, uh, you know, outsider's lens of a guy not real familiar with the Canadian Football League, uh, when I first got here, you know, Mike Riley's arm strength and just the throws that he could make, as opposed to some of the other CFL quarterbacks. Uh, it just stuck out to me. I mean, right from the very get-go. And, you know, that first year in particular where he started to get a lot of playing time, I thought he was played by a number of drops. I still remember a drop very early in a game where Calgary butchered Edmonton, I think, in the West Final. 2014 you know, the, West Final. The score Final. wasn't close, and, and people, I'm sure, don't remember this play. I, it was something like 37-10 or whatever the final was, but... Early in that game, he fired a fifty-foot, you know, a fifty-yard rope, and the guy dropped it for a touchdown. And and that's the kind of play that can change the whole game. I was early in the game. The Eskimos go up seven nothing three minutes in, and McMahon Stadium is completely shut up. Like right away, could be a different ball game. And and you know, he just he can make a lot of different throws, and he's got the mobility that's that's obviously. Uh, a prerequisite for success in the CFL, and, and the leadership, and then the experience that he's gained, obviously, which you alluded to, that all comes with time. But but I feel like this guy is uh, is going to be one of the all-time great quarterbacks in the history of the league, and I really felt like he he exhibited that talent early on, which is why when you know James Franklin had a couple of good preseason games and everyone was ready to anoint him I just could not understand it and and uh, I also like Riley's toughness too I think there have been games uh, where he's taken a tremendous amount of punishment and he's a guy who wants to finish the game and that's another uh, impressive attribute and one that you have to have from your leader. Well, Jack, you pretty much praised everything you can about an athlete. <laughs> well, I mean, Ability. I just, like I said, I think this guy is maybe still underrated. I mean, I, I think I think Mike Riley is, you know, as good a player as there is in the league, and he's been that way for three years. I mean, I, I, that's how highly I think it. I think he's got a tremendous uh, a tremendous amount of talent, toughness. Like I said, I, 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 you know what? There's, I can't think of anyone in the league right now I'd rather have than Mike Riley. Well, in he's, any position. he's the best player in the league this year, no doubt, and, and a big part of the uh, of the team's record. And and uh, you know, we'll we'll segue into some hockey talk here. And, and, and we should note, and I mentioned it earlier, we are one month away from Oilers training camp. Less than that from uh, being in Penticton for the Young Stars tournament, where we're going to see Kyler Yamamoto and some other young Oilers prospects uh, take on prospects from the Flames, Canucks, and Jets. So, uh, you know, Jack, we're counting down to things getting serious here. And that is what Peter Shirelli has said about the Oilers, right? That he expects some internal growth. He didn't necessarily want to parachute in, 
you know, older players that would push younger players back down on the depth chart. I mean, he brought in UC Jokinen, but I think he's more going to be in a mixture of guys, uh, you know, maybe in the bottom seven forwards that, that can be interchangeable. So, you know, again, trusting experience, trusting preparation. The Oilers have become a team with pretty good practice habits, I think. I thought one of their sharpest practices of the year was the day after they clinched the playoff spot against the LA Kings. There was no back padding and congratulating congratulations going on. So, I mean, you, you hope that the, the growth we've seen in our football team now maybe starts to happen with, with the hockey team as well, and some younger players really start to grab the opportunity. Well, and I think a lot of that occurred last year. I think uh, you talk about a, you know, a team that, that carried itself a certain way after the season as opposed to you know, the way the beginning of the year uh, shaped up. And, and that's not to say Edmonton got off to a slow start. I mean, they raced out of the gate 7-1. and one, But uh, the next step is now handling the expectations. I mean, geez, I, you know, I was looking yesterday, and I, I'm not sure it's official Vegas odds, but I, I'm pretty sure I saw Edmonton with you know tied for the second best chance to win the Stanley Cup. I mean, you know, we're we're really you know I I think I think there's a bit of a, a tendency to go fast forward here, but I think that's another thing that Todd McCall and Peter Shirelli want to see how their team handles, and that is. Uh, the role of being the hunted instead of the hunter. I think Edmonton is going to show up on a lot of people's, uh, you know, preseason favorites. Uh, the sexy pick to come out of the West with some wobbles uh, endured by some of the league's older teams. So, you know, it's just going to be an interesting year. I, Edmonton's not going to sneak up on anyone. But, again, all the positives that come into play here is this is also a club that's not carrying itself as an underdog anymore. It's carrying itself as a team that expects to win, that expects to have a great deal of success. And the mindset of a guy like Connor McDavid dictates that this is a club that's also mindful of the fact and understanding of the process that it takes to get back to the position they were in next year. In other words, as much fun as it's talk as it is to talk about preseason prognostications and where you'd like to be in May, a guy like Connor McDavid, who sets the table for the club as the team's captain and its on-ice leader as well, is is a guy who understands that all that work begins in September. And you cannot hit the fast-forward button to May. You've got to put the work in to earn your seed, to earn your home ice, and to earn the rewards that ultimately can come your way in months like May and June. Uh, 6-1 Tampa Bay leading the Blue Jays in the fifth as we keep an eye on that one. Jack Michaels on the show tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins. He's the play-by-play voice for the Oilers on Chet and the Oilers Radio Network. All right, Jack. Uh, uh, you know, I, 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 I was saying earlier, when you work in the media, people expect um, predictions. And, uh, you know, I, and I was open about it. Sometimes, I, I, depending on what it is, sometimes I don't really have a prediction, but you feel like you have to give one. Uh, the sports forecaster, Connor McDavid, 97 points. Leon Dreisaitl, 91. Ryan Strom, 72. Uh, the hockey news, uh, Oilers lose the Stanley Cup final to the Pittsburgh Penguins, who win three in a row. I'm like, oh, my God. We, we don't even know. I mean, there's. I guess the sports forecaster is making the assumption that Ryan Strom's going to be on a line with Leon Dreisaitl and they're, uh, they're going to light it up. I, I mean, it, to me, it's fun. 
I'm kind of like, I know they got to sell their magazines and get it out there as early as possible. I'm just going to hold. We always do do ours in the couple days between the end of the preseason <laughs> and the regular season. I don't know if you're if you're gonna gonna launch into prediction mode tonight, but uh, it's I, I find it kind of funny in a way. I'll just give you my favorite prediction of all time. <laughs> okay, and it was a one-word prediction, <laughs> and it was made by Clubber Lang. Oh, prediction? Yes, prediction. Pain. That is the greatest prediction of all time, <laughs> and it and it proved to be extremely accurate as well. But that that to me is the only prediction that I have any time for is Clubber Lang's one-word prediction. Uh, it's also I still think that's probably uh, you know I mean I think to me it surpasses Apollo Creed. I, Clubber Lang for me is the greatest name that's that's ever been out there in movies. I mean I, there's just nothing you can do. It's he also has the best post victory celebration of all time. I mean uh, it's just a win on so many different levels and it starts with a prediction. Oh, that's great. I see this is what I love about you Jack. You even have an opinion on the best character name in a movie. Which, yeah, you know, you're, you're so passionate. Me, I mean, it's certainly the best <laughs> boxing name ever. Yeah, well, yeah, that's uh, hard to argue. I, you know, I, I, I think, uh, yeah, and just, I mean, the the thing about Clubber is, you know, if you'd followed the training, and you'd have to assume the media by the early '80s was was watching the heavyweight championship fights. How could you think that fight would end any other way than with the second round Clubber Lang knockout? <laughs> I mean, he was training like, I mean, he was just a beast in training. And, you know, Rocky's got a band behind him. I mean, that's the other thing. The second greatest prediction of all time was Mickey when he told Rocky, Clubber ain't going to kiss you. He's going to kill you. I mean, that was, I mean, that was the best. You know, I mean, Mickey had it. Mickey knew what was going Mickey on. Mickey knew, yeah. yeah Mickey always knew. I don't understand how any... I mean, Rocky. I think they say in the in the commentary leading up, he's something like a five to one favorite. I mean, I would have I would have been on Clubber so big back then. I mean, whatever I had, and I probably had about fifty bucks back to my fifty bucks to my name in nineteen eighty two. But I would have put everything I had on Clubber. The uh, eight year old Jack Michaels, or whatever you would have been, approximately eight, putting his whole allowance on Clubber Lang. Oh, there's no doubt about it. I mean, like I said, all you needed to do was see the training. I mean, the training, the training always tells the tale. And then, of course, you know when you know when Rocky's doing the dancing and doing the swimming. You, you know that he's going to have a shot. I mean, I, I'm not saying I would have taken Rocky in the rematch, but I certainly would have liked his chances better than I would have in the first fight. Uh, Jack Michaels checking in tonight. Uh, you're, uh, you know what a troll is, right? I think we got a text from a troll. That's okay. Who says, Lay it on me. If, he, if he's on me, I'll, I'll no, respond to all. I, he's just on, he's on everybody. This, this, you're going to like this one. Connor McDavid is the biggest poker hand a city can put down. Mr. McDavid will not put in a full year next year. He's injury prone and will never complete a full season. The city of Edmonton and all its fans will be extremely disappointed with their so-called all-star. Wow. You know, I don't know if this texture realized he just put in an 82-game season. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, that, that's a guy who's <laughs> that's trying a to garner some attention. That's a troll. And he, and he succeeded. I mean, 
he succeeded, but obviously not not one of uh, yeah. not one of the more astute uh, listeners. Not not a, not a candidate for text of the night because no, he could be a no, troll and still be pretty funny. I don't think that's the text of the night. Uh, and Lyle says my prediction is uh, that you, referring to me, will have at least sixteen full time listeners to Inside Sports before the Oilers start next season. Well, Lyle, I've been stuck on fourteen for a while. Jack tends to bring a couple stragglers in. Uh, Jack, uh, on a bit more, well, on a more serious topic, and I, I think people are going to want to listen after the 7 o'clock news because I'm going to have retired Master Corporal Paul Franklin on the show who he was a proud member of uh, of the Canadian military uh, you know badly injured he's a double amputee and uh, you know proudly uh, talks about what what happened to him and he's going to give some opinions on the national anthem and players who have not been standing for the national anthem which to this point has been, uh, I guess, an American thing, if you want to call it that. It's interesting to me, Jack. I don't have a problem with athletes being political, having opinions on things outside of sports. I I don't know if this is the best way for them to do that because it can garner so much negativity. And I, I'm kind of like, you know, there, there are some pretty well-spoken guys, guys who go into politics after their careers or, or even dabble while they're, uh, while they're doing it. I don't, I don't know if the anthem thing is, is really connecting with a lot of people in a way that they're hoping it's going to connect. Well, I'd agree with that, number one. And number two, you know, I'm a big believer in uh, the adage that says, look, it's North America. You have a right to express, you know, whatever you want. But it's also North America, and there's consequences for every action. Right. And, you know, I do not have, um, you know, immediate family that served in the military. Uh, my now, now, having said that, I mean, my wife's grandfather did. And so, I, so in other words, you know, if someone says, well, you shouldn't be upset, I'm not... I'm not disrespecting the military. Well, that's not fair to those who have, you know, in the military and who have military backgrounds. You can't tell them how to feel or whether or not they perceive it as an insult either. I mean, you can't, you know, just because you say, well, I'm not taking a shot at the military. Well, I'm sorry if I totally get where someone, you know, someone with that perspective would feel like it's an absolute sign of disrespect. So, Again, um, and there's a lot of this going on, and it's uh, as you know, it's not just the protesting of the national anthem, but there's there's a lot of stuff south of the border yeah. that's going on right now that would fall into that category of you know, yeah, technically it's free speech, but there's also consequences to that free speech, and uh, you know, you better be willing to live with them. Yeah, and I mean, again, and Paul's coming up, and he he was in the Canadian military, but uh, you know, the anthem uh, might mean something different to him. So I'm curious to to get his perspective. Jack, it's it's always great to have you on the show. Uh, you know, like I said, a month away from training camp, we're going to be in touch a lot. Thanks for coming on tonight, buddy. Uh, enjoy Esks and Bombers on Thursday. Always a pleasure. Can't wait for it. That is Jack Michaels checking in tonight. You can text 63630. Our phone number seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three six fifty two. We got to call a quick timeout. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Ched. I want to appreciate, uh, I want to thank the uh, individual who texted in Clubber Lang's stats. 
from the uh, I, I I just I just saw the text, so I didn't open the link yet. But the Shane says here are Clubber Lang stats. Oh, we got a stat line on Clubber Lang, and it looks like the the Rocky movie series has its own wiki. You know, the online encyclopedia. Right, right. Well, I guess there's something to read tonight when you're tired, <laughs> or to, to pull up when you're uh, sitting on the throne and looking on your iPad. Yeah, what was Rocky Tommy Machine a- Guns? Pro fight stats oh, going in, you know. Was it that was a wasn't that the, a real life boxer Tommy Morrison? I and believe so. Yeah. Did he die of AIDS? I'm or died of fear? Not uh, sure. Did he, yeah. he died in his forties. I knew he was a real life boxer though that played him. So, yeah, I think it was Tommy Morrison. That 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 was the shall we say the less than stellar Rocky Five. Yeah, that everybody thought was going to be the end of the series, but it turned out... Well, it was for a while. Yeah. It was the temporary end (laughs) of the series. The temporary ending. Doug says, regardless of your personal thoughts, you stand for the anthem. You are living in the country and making a living there. Respect that. If you were born there, it's a disgrace to your country's history. That's from Doug. Uh, and uh, Tony says uh, NFL players could learn a lot from the African-American athletes who protested on the podium during the anthem, uh, anthem heads hung and black power salute, quietly respectful yet poignant. That's from Tony. And of course, he's referring to the two U.S. Sprinkers, uh, sprinters at the 1968 if I'm remembering, 1968 Summer Olympics in Mexico City. Yeah, that was a, a famous moment for the United States, both sports and culturally. This portion of Inside Sports presented by Action Furnace, home of the fixed right or its free guarantee. You can visit actionfurnace.ca. You can keep the text coming to 630-630, whether you want to talk about uh, standing during anthems or something from, from Rocky. I'm I'm quite open-minded about where you want to go. The Blue Jays are catching up, down 6-4 now in the bottom of the fifth, and the prospects getting ready to go. Game three of the league final at REMAX Field. We'll keep you updated. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.